Hello, Adopt Together Podcast. This is Hank Fortner, your host, and today we have a really exciting episode. We are talking to Sam Futerman, who is the star of a film called Twinsters that you might have seen on Instagram, or you might have seen it on Netflix, or you might have seen it on iTunes, and she is an amazing, awesome person. The title of this episode is Separated at Birth with Sam Futerman, who, and you're going to hear about this throughout this episode, is the co-founder of a, an organization called the Kindred Foundation. She's the star producer and director of this film called Twinsters, in which she and her twin sister find each other from across the world via YouTube and Facebook. Find out they were separated at birth when they were both born in Seoul, Korea. One went to France, the other one went to Los Angeles. And this is a story about the two of them who find each other with like this crazy storybook reunion and the process of living with mixed cultural roots. Uh, You're gonna love it. This is gonna be amazing. You can find Sam and you can find all her information and all the good stuff uh, in this podcast when she mentions like kind of her website and all the sorts of stuff. But really my most important thing for you guys to hear is that she has an amazing and extraordinary story and a lot of really cool insight to share. So check it out. This is Sam Futerman. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Sam Futerman, and we are here at uh, Open Sesame here in Los Angeles, an organic Lebanese, uh, authentic Lebanese place uh, on Beverly Drive. Yes. And we're here having a conversation. We just had lunch with a boyfriend and a wife. Not Sam doesn't have both of those. I have a wife. She has a boyfriend. And we're here hanging out, and we're going to get to hear a little bit of her story. Sam, tell us who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Uh, my name is Samantha, and I'm from New Jersey. I was raised there, and now I live in Los Angeles in Santa Monica. Um, and what part of New Jersey? Uh, Essex County, Verona, New Jersey. Awesome. People always talk about counties in Jersey. Yeah. Is that like a thing? Like it's I, a good I, way I, to define it. I didn't, no one, no one, I didn't, where I grew up, no one ever called it the county. County. So I always feel like that's a Jersey. Yeah. A Jersey. Were you near the Jersey Shore? I was not, no. Okay. I'm North Jersey, kind of closer to Manhattan area. Cool. Essex County's kind of a lot of commuters that go in and Great. Stuff, stuff like that, yeah. Awesome. And then, what else were you talking about? What do you do? Oh, I so I uh, am a co-founder of the Kindred Foundation for Adoption with my lovely partner, Jen Ashworth. And I'm an actor and film producer and surfer and awesome. fun things. And you're the star and also <coughs> creator of, director of, what did you, what, what, what would be your other titles? Executive producer of uh, <laughs> the hit uh, documentary Twinsters? Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm a co-director and producer of Twinsters, uh, which is my personal story. Uh, we documented, my sister and I are identical twins separated at birth. She saw me in a YouTube video, said, wow, that looks just like me, and sent me a Facebook message. Turns out we're identical twins. Um, wow. What was the YouTube video? Uh, it was actually for a friend, Kev Jumba, who uh, had a really popular YouTube channel at the time called High School Virgin. Okay. And I was just being really silly and mean in the video, and her friend stumbled upon that, so she saw it. And said, this looks like you. Yeah. So you were in like a viral YouTube video. Yeah, yeah, I guess. That led to you meeting your sister. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Very of this time that we're living in right now. Yeah. With social media, yeah. It's crazy. With Twinsters, you were reunited with your biological family, and it went really, really insanely well. Yeah. That was awesome. 
So for you to be in a position where you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't know that I had a twin sister. And she happens to be cool and amazing and talented and fun and healthy and we're friends and we FaceTime all the time. And like, it's storybooked out for you. Yeah. Uh, if there were people listening who aren't sure what a reunion would look like or if that's even physically possible. Mm -hmm. Like I have a little brother who has, n we have no documentation of his family in China. What would you tell a person who's going, yeah, I don't know if reunion is going to be my option or I don't know if it's going to be my possibility. What would you say to them? I would say that anything is possible, first of all, because I would have never expected anything that's happened to me to have happened at all. Um, but also to know that family is wherever you look for it and wherever you want it. So it's not necessary to have that reunion, to be happy and to find love and to find family and that we can cherish what we have every single day and then surprises and miracles do happen. Awesome. And if you were going to tell somebody, like I know there are people who are probably thinking there's a sense or a, a feeling of being incomplete without either knowledge or relationship or just something, right? There's some, some sense of that. Did you have any of that prior to meeting your sister that you felt like there was something that you felt like was just not there? And how did you deal with those feelings or those thoughts that you just go, I guess I'll never meet them or I don't know who they are, right? Does that make sense? Like what did you yeah. do with that feeling that there were people out there that you were biologically related to that you didn't know or hadn't met? Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, as an adoptee, I always knew that there was something i mean i had to be i had to come from a person you know I, yeah. so i knew they were out there but i never even i guess i didn't think about it as a thing I, I don't know i never wrapped it up like i have to meet this person to feel like myself or to feel complete i that okay. was never a thought when i was growing up it was always like wow i hope that one day maybe i would have that experience and and knowing i guess i kind of want to be like it would be really great if i could meet a half sibling i, I was like you know Family in Korea is so important. I assume that I have half-siblings out there. And how great would it be to one day have that and mm -hmm. to do that? But it was never a necessity or priority, I think, in my life. Um, for my sister, I would say she had a different experience. And she did feel like there was something missing. And she's, she says it now. I don't know if that was you because you're my twin and mm. I didn't have siblings or whether I just wanted siblings. Um, but there was always a curiosity and a bit of sadness about her adoption and feeling abandoned maybe by our biological family. So mm -hmm. maybe there's resistance of even wanting to go there. Right. So I, I think now that we've met and have this amazing thing, she sees it differently um, and says, well, maybe it, also we're really lucky because we have, we're the closest yeah, that any right. two people can be. Totally. So, you so hold hands in the womb. Yeah. You can't get closer than that. Yeah. yeah. So, so we're lucky in that sense. But also, I mean, um, it's important to remember that we have love and family and happiness everywhere surrounding us all the time. Yeah. So to, to set a goal and say, well, I have to do this in my life can be hard because what, if there is a disappointment that you'll never Yeah, do. right. Like, you, even me, I was like, oh, I need to surf this wave, not equating surfing to the story of our adoption, but, right, but sure. say, like, I, this is something that I want to do my entire life, and if I never do it, maybe I'll be disappointed. But there's always also something great about wishing for that because yeah. maybe it will happen one day, too. Yep. So yep. I just think it's, it's a back-and-forth thing. Mm. I have this all the time. Sometimes I'm like, I am so ready. If my, our birth mother came out to us today and said, hi, I'm here, I would get on a plane and go to Korea and be so ready for it. 
And there's other days where I'm like, I couldn't handle it today. Mm. I wouldn't be able to do it. I don't know if I'll ever be ready to actually do this. But when are we ever ready to do anything? Yeah, right. Totally. It's such an, I, I'm talking in circles because that's what it feels like. Yeah, it's always totally. this open moving it's thing. It's a back and, and forth. All the time. And I think as a person who has a lot of adoptees in my life. Yeah. It's great for me to hear you describe that because it helps me not put any expectation or pressure oh. or even label or, or brand or anything on an adoptee or like for my brothers, for them to feel a certain way once or otherwise. Like just because my little brother once told me, I can't wait to meet my birth mom and I really wish I could know her. And I w That doesn't mean that's how he feels now. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I, I think it's good for me to hear you describe that because for me, since I haven't heard him say that in a couple of years, it doesn't mean that that's still a part of the narrative. Just like my little brother who does know his biological mother, it doesn't mean that he wants to see her all the time. Or yeah. Does that make sense? Like yeah. I just think it's really helpful for me to hear you describe that because I think what is underrepresented, both in the adoption space as well as maybe what's the space that isn't given, is for the adoptees to speak and be asked questions and to give their voice. And a big reason for this podcast is just to hear from adoptees their story, mm -hmm. what they went through, what's the most helpful, what's the most productive, and uh, finding ways where those who are lives have been touched by adoption can find ways to serve the adoptees that we love. Yeah. Because there's, it is such a, a new territory, really, in terms of, of, of consciousness. You don't ever get over being adopted, and you don't ever forget that you're adopted, and you yeah. don't ever, that's still a part of your life in some way and form. And we're, I feel like we're just in the last 20 to 30 years having a conversation about what adoptees have experienced and have gone through because there were adoptions that happened 100 years ago and everyone kept them a secret. Yeah. It was just not, you didn't tell anyone. You just yeah. never said it. So because it's such a fresh conversation, I think what you and Jenna are doing through Kindred and I think even what you've done through Twinsters is you have brought us into the global consciousness of going, here's what it's like to be an adoptee. Here's what it's like to experience that. And all those things start to be aware of that so that when people hear that a person is adopted they're able to and they have the tools to be able to engage that way in a way that's respectful and healing and hopeful and helpful to that person when i speak places i will oftentimes when i first start i just go is anyone here adopted and hands all over every room i have ever asked that question will shoot up if anyone here ever been in foster care hands will shoot up in every room i have ever asked that question Amazing. there's adoptees everywhere and a lot of times, like you said, you don't want to you don't want to position them in a place where you're like, oh, here's here's what adoptees are, yeah. or here's what this an adoptee looks like. But you also want to carry that strong sense. I carry that such a deep sense of gratitude and pride that I'm connected to adoptees, and that adoptees are how my family has grown. Yeah. We I have more adoptees in my family than I have biological <laughs> family members, and. To me, that's a pride thing. I feel yeah. so proud of my family, and I love showing people my family photo and hugging my brothers. So I just am so grateful for the work that you and Jen are doing, and I'm so grateful for the work you did with your film, and I, I just think your voice is so needed and so essential Thank you. in the adoption space. I hope we can continue doing that. Oh, one thing, sorry, I was thinking of when we were talking about this. Uh, for people who really wish or... Uh, I. I always hope that adoptees never feel like the grass is always greener. I, 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 I am saddened when people say, well, what if? Like, what if I had grown up with my bi biological family? Would I have been happier? Right. Would right. I have had a better life? Or yep. would I have been better here? And um, the truth is we can't change that. So, yeah. so why are we thinking about it? But also to remember, and this is a funny thing, but a lot of biological families 
also don't get along. Yeah. You know, and and people forget that that like just because you're connected with your biological family doesn't mean that you're gonna be. Ha- it doesn't mean that you're yeah. all gonna get along. You'll have different personalities sometimes too. So not only not get along, a lot of biological families hate each other, or yeah. beat each other, or yeah. can't stand each other, won't speak to each other. Yeah. There's a lot of drama out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that's a really healthy perspective. And perfection can be, I don't know, sometimes if. Thinking about perfection isn't what we think it is, I guess, or what it's not amounted up to be. Right, exactly. It's the same thing as when you're dating someone and all you can think about is like, oh, well, if I had dated this person or if I could date that person, (laughs) they'll be kind to me. It'll be so easy. (laughs) They'll be so... And the reality is, is like whatever that person's dysfunction is will be annoying Yeah, yeah. if you date that person. If you keep dating or you're married to this person, that dysfunction will be there. Like all those things... You're right. I think it's the same way with careers. You hear people talk about that with, I have people who look at me and go, oh man, I wish I could just run a foundation. Like, no, you don't. I'm thinking, I wish I could run a real estate company. No, you don't. You know, like there's always that sense. I think that's a really healthy outlook. The question I think I want to ask you about is just even for your own personal story is for you to reconnect with a, with your first family and for you to reconnect with your biological sister. What's it like in your life to now be connected to a person who does share your DNA, and how does that change your relationships with the people who don't? Hmm. I I mean, it's pretty amazing to share DNA with my sister, and I I was always a very I mean, you have like you share the exact DNA, which is crazy because like you're closer than you can twins. yeah, yeah right. closer than you can ever get. With you held hands person. in the womb, which I yeah. feel like is more than yeah a yeah. cousin or something yeah yeah for sure we are more similar than anyone else in the universe basically right. uh, besides other identical twins yeah. sure but um <laughs> it's pretty pretty amazing because i was always a nurture person being an adoptee and growing up an adoptee i love my family so much and i felt like i acquired a lot of their attributes and personality and stuff but when i met my sister i was really blown away because I noticed that we were more similar than anyone I had ever met my whole life. Wow. And um, so I really, I mean, still, I think there's a lot that comes in with nurture. And it doesn't change the relationship with my um, adoptive family at all. I mean, I love my brothers and my parents the same way I did before. Maybe even more so now because I'm, I realize to a greater extent how important family is. Wow. You know, but and with my sister, I mean, identical twins, I think, have a special bond. Um, For sure. Even Did, more so than That was going to be my question, even though you're a continent apart. You know, like they always say with identical twins, like if you scratch your face, your your identical twin can feel it, or if you get an ouch, or was there ever a moment where you had like a phantom pain that now you look back on and go, oh, that's where that scar came from, <laughs> or anything strange? <laughs> that's funny. No, no, my sister likes to play that game, though. She'll okay. text me and say, uh, oh, my stomach hurts. Are you eating something weird? Ah, uh, yeah, like, Okay. No, just the sandwich. So, you know, they yeah, exactly. things like that. She, that you, it's your fault now that, you're, that her stomach hurts. Yeah, totally. And where does your sister live? She lives in Paris. Very cool. And she's like a designer or she's a... Yeah, she's super cool. She designs exotic um, leather goods. Very and cool. it's a family company. So her father owns a company. It's pretty amazing. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So in terms of the way that that would change even the way that you see people, tell us since the film that you did where you discovered and documented the process of you meeting your sister since that how do you f- how do you feel like that has changed your the way you see relationships or the way that you see adoptees or the way that you even see, even see family or has that changed at all yeah i think the i think the main thing is that it 
solidified all the thoughts that I already had or I had already been brewing in my mind. You know, that family has no boundary, all of those kind of feelings, but it made me more outwardly aware of it, I think, and made me feel like I needed to share that. Even just by saying, you know, every single time I get off the phone with my parents saying, I love you, goodbye. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And, and that was really important. And through Twinsters, I realized that it was necessary to share our experience because other people were feeling the same way too. And otherwise, I, 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 as an adoptee, I never had the need to say, oh, I'm adopted and this is how I feel about it. But then after the story came out and so many people were reaching out to us, I felt like, oh, no, I do need to share the story and I, I need to hear other people's stories and I enjoy hearing other people's stories too because it makes me feel comfortable in who I am, which I already thought I was, but right. I, I, I learn something new every day by doing this and by doing the documentary, having it out there and having other people's, inf- I, I don't know, having their, their stories influence me as well. Yeah. Wow, as a that's person, cool. So. That's cool. Do you feel like you'll adopt when you're older? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely will. I definitely adopt will. and have bio kids or just adopt? I think both. Yeah, yeah I think both for sure. And um, my boyfriend Ryan has talked about, he's like, I never ever thought about that before in my life. And now I know I definitely will adopt children. Very cool. For sure. Very cool. What do you feel like is the uh, thing that the adoptee community is most in need of right now? Being, uh, I think more awareness and social awareness. I think we have and we have, I mean, like, you are an incredible influencer and create so much awareness, but there's still so many people that just don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And and even adoptees that haven't been able to hear stories or ha- have no way to connect with those other people that are like them. Even just to not not even say, not even have a conversation, just to say, oh, I'm not alone in the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that is really needed and it's coming it's starting yeah right it's happening and like i mean thanks to you and thanks to all these other organizations it's starting to happen but i think that's my thing that's very cool yeah other than that i think foster families too is needed yeah it's huge what do you feel like you would tell i mean with especially with your experience with adoption and with being an adoptee and now getting to be sort of a um flag bearer or representative, for lack of a better phrase, of people who are on the search for their biological families or who have reunited or hope for that some someday in the future, is what do you wish the rest of the world knew about adoptees? I wish the rest of the world knew that every adoptee has a different experience and that it's not cookie cutter. Not every adoptee is searching for their biological family. Mm-hmm. Not every adoptee wants that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, I wish that everyone else would be more sensitive to, to what's going on inside. I, yeah, right. And what's I, that look like to be more sensitive? I think just being aware. I mean, people, some, sometimes I get questions that seem like really rash and ignorant. And they'll okay. be like, oh, so what's your, do you know your real mom? Yeah, right. I'm like, oh, well, that you're not, you don't mean that. That can be as. Totally. Yeah. It they just feels don't weird. have language for what that right. is. Or right. who that person is to you. Yeah. Right. And the, and. Sometimes take it as like, okay, well, you just don't even know how to, we don't even know how to address these things. Mm-hmm. And I think something like that, or just to say, you know, um, not have to talk about it mm-hmm. and not have to ask all these questions at a really strange time, you know? Right. I get that question a lot. Oh, what, do you know your real mom? Do you know all that kind of stuff? And it's not always um, appropriate to ask those things sure. to an adoptee when you find that out about them. Sure. How would, you, how would how, what is appropriate? 
don't give know. Us, you know. Give us, the, give us the etiquette of adoptees for those who are listening. A lot of people who listen are either yeah. adoptees or their lives have been touched by adoption somehow or they're adoptive parents. Yeah. Or they're just fans of adoption. Yeah. So if a person who's a fan of adoption or an adoptee who doesn't have that experience, what uh, what does it look like to be sensitive to all the adoptee stories? Do you know it's funny? In, in my sense, if someone, if they say, oh, I'm adopted, I'd be like, sick. Cool. Yeah, right. Awesome. It's just like total acceptance of what it is. Yes. And then if someone is wants to talk about it, seems like they want to talk about it, then talk about it. Yeah, right. But otherwise, I would say not to. If someone's like, I'm trying to think of it in another circumstance. If someone's like, hi, my dad died. And would be like, how did he? How did he die? Right. You know, you yes, never totally. do those things. Yeah, you never totally. ask those questions. Totally. <laughs> totally. Or I got divorced. Why? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no right. One exactly. Would do that. Tell me what really what what fell apart in so you your guys love hate life. Each other. Yeah. Totally. Right. So abusive. <laughs> yeah. You're going into deep levels. So that and is that because it's sensitive or is that because it's personal? Person. Yeah. I guess it's personal. Okay. That's um, great. Yeah. I would say so. Right. I. It, but again, every everything is different. Yeah. And I think there's some people out there. What would you say to people out there who are not pumped that they're adopted? That because I think that part of the, if I was going to guess on, in, on insensitivities, mm-hmm. and I get some pushback on this sometimes, is with the smiley face on the hand for World Adoption Day, a lot of the pushback was uh, someone actually did a frown, fa- a frown face for World Adoption and said, this is how I feel about my adoption. Because they were adopted and they, there aren't positive feels about that. Um, how would you, what would you say both to uh, a, not, a person who's not adopted who is in, whose lives have been touched by adoption or they're engaging with that adoptee who does not have a positive adoption experience. And what would you say to that adoptee? So start with the listener who is a part of the Adopt Together community and is like, yeah, what do I say to a person who starts talking uh, sourly or bad about their adoption experience? I mean, I would say I'm sorry you feel that way. And just listen. Obviously, they have mm-hmm. something important that is affecting them and has created that bad experience but again it, it's true that not everyone does have a positive experience about this yeah right and so I, I mean obviously the smiley face on the hand that that makes me sad because even the having the smiley does or, or the sad face the sad face I hope the smiley face does not make you sad Sam we sort of put all of our all of our eggs in that basket <laughs> I really need that to make you happy okay the frowny face on the hand yeah that makes me sad A because of the amount of pain that that person is going through For is sure. makes me really sad but also the fact that it's not and and I'm a very positive person and I speak positively towards adoption but it makes me sad that that conversation is not yet allowed or, or mm. um in the stratosphere of adoption and um i think it's okay to feel to feel however you feel everyone has a right to feel how they want about adoption and and to what their experience is you know whether it was abuse or whatever gave them a pretty bad experience or Mm -hmm. cultural differences stuff like that but um i would say that there you're not alone there are other people that are like you and have the same feelings but there are positive things to look towards too and it is every experience is different so although you may have had a negative experience there's a lot of positive things to also have be had mm. in the adoption Yeah so if world. I hear you right you're saying in the adoption space as an adoptee speaking positively about your adoption would you say you're in the majority or the minority You know what I would I would say majority Okay great I would say or, or from the people that I've talked to and from the amount of people that are adopted or touched by adoption, mm-hmm. it's not a lot, the amount of people that I've talked to. Yeah, right. But I would say that I've talked to mostly positive experiences. Positive experiences. Wow, that's great. But all around, I mean, there's negative things to be had in those positive experiences, yeah. obviously. But overall, yeah. I would say positive. 
What's another thing you wish that the world knew or needs to know about adoptees? Ooh. I've never thought about this before, actually. What do I think the world needs to know about adoptees? Oh, I, I think that people need to know that you can't really categorize us as one thing. Like, we're so caught in between so many different things. Like, right. I was born in Korea, I was raised by my dad's Jewish, my mom's Catholic, I'm from New Jersey, but I live in California and I have a California lifestyle. So, why do I have to be one thing? Why do I have to be a Korean adoptee? And right. that's my only. That's my only identity, right. but it's not because I'm Korean and American. So what and are those? And you're sort identities? of Catholic, and you're sort of Jewish, and you're yeah. sort of California. Yeah. yeah, right. So like, why can't why can't adoptees just be who they are? Why do we? Why are we constantly putting them into a mold? Because hmm. there is no mold. Yeah, right. Everything is different. So I wish people, more people, would understand that. Hmm. You know, people say, "Are you? Do you feel really Korean?" And I'm like, I guess as much as I like, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I feel really New Jersey. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes right. I totally. feel super California. Totally. Do you have a lot of Korean friends, Korean people in your life? I think I do. I, yeah, I have a lot of Korean people in my life, and I think more so now that I'm an adult than mm -hmm. when I was a kid growing up. Right. Especially in LA. In terms of embracing cult Korean culture, when did that start for you as a person? Because your parents are both white. Yeah. So they probably didn't know how to, they weren't, probably didn't have a kimchi fridge. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they didn't have, they didn't make things or they didn't have that, that red spicy paste that's just insanely delicious or they yeah. didn't do Korean barbecue. What was that like for you? When did you first start embracing Korean culture? I think fully I started embracing Korean culture after finding my sister. Oh, wow. Or after she found me, I should say. Yeah, right. But yeah, I think then, but I was always interested before before that. Like, I went to Korea with my mom and everything, and we had done a homeland tour, and that was really beautiful. Oh, cool. And that was really fun. So I was that was the first time where I came back, and I was like, I'm Korean. This blood runs through my veins. This is so cool. <laughs> Amazing. Like, How old were you? I was 24. What's it like getting off an airplane in Seoul, and after being raised by white people, I'm assuming in a white neighborhood in Jersey? <laughs> To get off and be like, oh my gosh, everybody here is Korean. It's a, like, or I guess it's not a first, it's a culture shock for sure. And yeah. I was, th the first time I went to Hawaii, I actually feel that way. Because wow. I had never, on Oahu, there's so, such a big Asian American population. Yeah, right, and right. I had never been in a room with that many Asian American people. Wow. In my life. So I was actually shocked and I was just like, it wasn't a negative thing. I was just like, I've never had this experience before. Wow, yeah, that's cool. So it felt like that in Korea, too. And, and I know my mom was like, oh, my gosh, I can't pick Sam out in the crowd. I'm going to lose her. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally. not going to be able to find her. Totally. Well, you're so tall, too. Right, yeah. So it's natural. I'll you're, be swallowed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I, I, when, I was, when my little brother was six, and I think I may have mentioned this on this podcast before, so if you're hearing this for a second time, deal with it. But my <laughs> little brother was six. He's adopted from China. He had a double cleft lip and palate, so he'd just gotten his lips fully fixed and everything was solid and he and I were so 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 close and we were walking down the aisles of a grocery store in southwest Ohio which is like predominantly white black and then it's a small Japanese population small Indian population but in our neighborhood almost everybody was white and that was just sort of where we lived and raised and were grown and we were walking down the aisle of a grocery store and he spots this older Japanese man uh, getting something out of the freezer section and he stops, and we start to pass him, and he pulls me back, and he goes, Hank, Hank, look, look. And he, he's like seeing an older Japanese man, which he had seen Asian kids before because there were lots of Asian kids, and I played baseball with a lot of Asian kids. My, uh, we would go to these uh, picnics called uh, Families with Children from China, I think they were called, where uh, all the adoptive families would get together so that their kids 
had some semblance of shared experience in terms of like, oh, you're also in this lily white <laughs> small town, but you were taken from China or whatever. Like you were adopted all these different places. And he stopped and he just stared at him and he goes, can I go say hi? And I was like, sure. <laughs> and he's like, come with me, come with me. So he pulled me over to go and he just wanted to like say hi to the man. Didn't want to touch him, didn't want to shake his hand, just wanted to say hi. And then that's all he wanted. And it turns out I had played baseball. He was the Japanese doctor in town. I played baseball with his son, who was my good friend. <laughs> And I just said, hey, I'm sorry, this, you're, the, you're the only like, elderly Asian man that he's ever seen. <laughs> it, was just like a, it was just to watch him be big-eyed, just be like, finally like a n- non-white person. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. in, that, in that stretch uh, was just so incredible. And even my wife, Sue Ann, describes, who's Korean, yeah. describes the first time she went back to Korea. I think she said she was 12 mm. when she went to Korea for the first time because she was born here in California. And she said, she said it was the first time she, she just felt beautiful, because she's like, this is where, every this is this this is beautiful, this, Koreanism, this oh Koreanness, you know, like that kind of, and that's where she felt that pride. So there's just a crazy, cultural, piece to that that I think people who are adoptive parents mm. or people who have been raised by people who are the same color as them. Mm. aren't aware of what a uh, transformational experience that can be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In such a huge way. And there's so many there are so many things and organizations that can help with that cultural thing. Even mm-hmm. if the parents don't know anything about that, there's yeah, right. places to go where they could be like, okay, well, I don't know anything about Korea, which my parents really didn't, and they tried so hard yeah. to know and to teach me about the food, but they're like, I don't know what to order. So yeah, right, I'm like, exactly. you're too young. You don't order on your own. I order for you still, yeah. you know? So there's, yeah, I mean... Oh, that's pretty amazing. That's the answer. That's wild. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. cool. So then in your future, yeah. how do you feel like you'll engage the Korean community and how do you feel like you'll engage the adoption community going forward? Hmm. That's an interesting question. I don't know. I, for Korean and it's okay if you don't have plans. I just was always curious. You Twinsters was a big hit. Yeah. And now you're in a place where you can just you can keep making movies or you can keep acting in them yeah. or you can keep kind of doing whatever you want. How do you feel like you'll engage the Korean community? Um, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. I guess I, I, I'm interested in the Korean community, especially. Yeah. I mean, I hang out a lot in K-Town. I eat a lot of Korean food. Oh, you do? Nice. Yeah. And now, like, you know, from doing YouTube stuff, I have a lot of Korean friends. And Dan Matthews is one of my yeah. closest friends. AKA Dan. Dan, a.k.a. Dan, yeah. yeah. He, um, he and I are pretty close. Obviously, we have a close bond because we're both separated twins, and yeah. we share that. But, yeah, I, I love being involved in the Korean community, and I, I do support Korean products. It's really funny. I have this, like, sense of funny sense of pride where I'm like, no, I'm going to buy the Samsung because it's, it's <laughs> Korean, and I have that. <laughs> i got to get this episode sponsored by Samsung. Just be like, <laughs> hey, guys. And, and uh, my father-in-law has the exact same thing. He was born in, born in Korea, raised in Korea until he was 24, 25, moved here. And uh, my TV is a Vizio. No offense to Vizio, <laughs> and I hope they don't. They're not going to not sponsor us. And it flickers like it's a nice plasma, whatever. It's on the wall. It's a skinny one. I don't really know. I got it. For, <laughs> I got it cheap. And it's a Vizio, and it flickers, which I think is from Costco, maybe. And it flickers, and he's like, you know, if that was a Samsung, it wouldn't do that. <laughs> like in his mind. And I drove a Kia. I, I drove a Kia for a couple years, and. I was never, he was never more proud of me as his son-in-law, <laughs> which is a hard thing to get to because I was driving this Korean brand. There is like sort of this ethno pride yeah. with Koreans in my experience above all other races and, and ethnicities that I've <laughs> met is people proud. who are just like, dude, it, Koreans, they are into Korean things and are super responsive. Yeah. I've been um, more embraced by the Korean community 
marrying a k- k- Korean woman <laughs> than I would have would have imagined, than I would have guessed. You have a greater sense of acceptance now. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> That's I, found, awesome. I found my tribe. I'm a Korean woman. <laughs> Pulled into that tribe. You have the pride. Yeah, exactly. How do you? What, what's your hope for the way that you would engage the adoption community? Um, I, I hope to be continually involved in it. And it's something that's so easy, you know, finding being late 20s and trying to find what I want to do in life in general. Like mm-hmm. as a career, it's hard and I get pulled different ways, but I, I always try to stay involved in the adoption cool. community as much as possible. And I, I guess that's the goal. I mean, again, just learning things from other people all the time and being inspired and just feeling a part of something bigger yeah, than, right. just, than just being an adoptee on my own or being an adoptee of my sister. Like I actually, something that maybe I had feared a little bit when I was a kid. And I didn't notice this until someone else told me that. But she's like, you know, as a kid, I thought being an adoptee was the only thing that I had about me that was special. Hmm. And so being part of the community actually scared me a little bit because I didn't want to lose that one identifier. The uniqueness. Yeah. And I think, and I never thought about that. And then looking back on it, I was like, as a teenager, maybe I had felt that same way too. Mm. And and now I realize as an adult, like I definitely feel the opposite because I really find comfort in finding other people that are involved in adoption in any capacity mm. or even people right. are like, oh, I thought about adopting one day. Yeah, <laughs> you know? right. Totally. But even just having that sense of um, community is something that I really enjoy. And I hope to keep keep that and That's cool. keep doing that. Tell me about uh, the Kindred Foundation. I mean, I know you did, you had a great speaker at your <laughs> gala, which is really fantastic. You gave me at your gala in New York City last, was it April, late April? Mm-hmm. You gave me the first okay. award I've ever received in my life. So thank you for breaking my streak. 34 <laughs> so years cool. of never receiving an award. So I got an award, uh, which was <laughs> and has my name on it, and it sits pride, proudly on my desk. Yes. Uh, tell me what the Kindred Foundation is, why you started it, and uh, what is it going to do? In the, the world. Kindred Foundation for Adoption was co-founded by myself and Jenna Ashkowitz, who's a Korean-American adoptee. You probably know her from Glee, and she's an uh, incredible actress, singer, dancer, amazing lady. Um, and we started it after Twinsters because we realized there was a need for uh, just awareness in the adoption community because we had so many people reaching out to us, and it felt like this needed to be somewhere else. Like, it needed to be its mm. own thing. And we just started Kindred. We had not, were not ready, had no idea what we were doing, but we're like, but we know now is the time to do it. So we started, and now um, we're kind of still evolving. You know, we feel like we're trying to mold ourselves into what exactly the community needs at any given time. But we, we um, focus on providing support, especially socio-emotional support for the greater adoption community. And um, whether that's by our blog or grant funding or just creating awareness and social campaigns, that's um, really, really our main goal. And we were kind of figuring out, like, at our gala that our, our strength is bringing the community together and bringing all these small organizations. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. We're not trying to right. um, put anyone else out of business or whatever it is. We just want to strengthen the community and be, you know, the umbrella, the blanket to bring everyone together and to create good things for, for adoption. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. How can people get involved in the Kindred Foundation for Adoption. So we have our website, kindredadoption.org, and you can sign up to be a volunteer. Again, we have um, a lot of things that we're, we're planning right now, so there isn't as much activity going on right now, but we always need people to support us and, and for when we do have um, all of our features launched, that we need 
we need volunteers. So the one thing I, I actually forgot to mention, we're trying to develop this 24-7 online support system mm -hmm. for anyone to say, you know, that'll be like the main hub. Yep. So anyone can go in at any time and say whatever they want about adoption and have that support, have it be a safe space where you can express your feelings and talk to other people that are um, kin, like your, your kin, your kindred spirits. Awesome. Um, so that's kind of our goal on that and then they can go on and we're going to need volunteers for that website very soon once we have it kind of up and running or tested so cool awesome yeah. and how can people find you find me find the sam futerman oh yes. oh you can follow my twitter which is sam futerman and then you could go on my instagram which is sam futerman or just google twinsters or i don't know very they cool. can do all the things or if they um, have anything that they want to say they can email us at info at kindredadoption.org very cool yeah awesome well, Sam, thank you so much for being a part of this conversation, and thanks for being in this. Oh, thank and you. we look forward to your next documentary nah. or your next event. <laughs> or, or i got to find another sibling. Or whatever it is you're curating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thanks so much, Sam. Yeah, thank you. Uh-huh.